Hi, it's Melissa Moore. Welcome to Mile High Magazine on this Sunday morning. Looking forward to today's conversation with Christabel Stansberry. She's the founder and the CEO of Chrysalis Continuing Care. Good morning, Christabel. Good morning. Well, good morning to you. So tell me a little bit about what is Chrysalis Continuing Care. Patient Treatment Center. So any outpatient, all levels of care. So some people are with us for higher levels of care, um, some people for lower levels of care. But it's designed to support people with mental health um, issues and also substance use issues. So we have therapists on staff. We have a doctor on staff. And so it's really designed to support people in recovery from mental health or substance use on an outpatient level. Okay. That's what I was going to ask you. Your phone cut out a little bit there, but you said it's an outpatient services. Yep. Okay. How did this story really start with you and developing this organization? So this actually started when I was very young. Um, So late middle, or sorry, late elementary school, early middle school, when I started getting into, you know, substances, I started with alcohol, I quickly went into heavier substances like methamphetamine. Um, And so, you know, my passion for this started from personal experience, Mm -hmm. um, where this started, you know, Chrysalis actually started in becoming a reality was about May of 2020 is when, you know, that's when I decided to put, start this organization and, you know, take the steps to implement it. Wow. So you started it during the pandemic. I did. (laughs) What what was was uh, wild? Yeah. What was with the timing of that for you? I think that when you have a passion and a dream, like there are always going to be complications and difficulties and it's never the right time. Like there's always a reason why it shouldn't work. But, you know, we really saw a lot of people starting to examine their own mental health during the pandemic, starting to look inward. And so it was, even though it was a very difficult time, it was also a very great time to get started. I was going to say, what have you seen since the pandemic and the as far as, you know, drug use and mental health? health issues. What has been kind of the trend over the past couple of years that you've seen? So with mental health, um, during the pandemic, like I, we're social creatures. We are, we need community and everybody ended up getting very isolated and also had a lot of time to really feel maybe what we like I, I know personally, I am a busy person and I can just like go, go, go. And then underneath it, sometimes when you remove all the external noise, it's like just time to sit with ourselves and really see, look at our histories, look at how we feel, look at mm-hmm. how our life has gone. It gave a lot of people a lot of time to be active. And also there was this isolation component magnified. Um, it magnified different mental health issues. And also, you know, we saw her overdose rate last year died from drug overdose was thousands who are friend and family members, like it, this epidemic out of control. And so I think a lot of, I guess it was COVID, I mean, what exactly those fat up to it, but it just exploded. And Christabel, I'm sorry, your phone was cutting out there for a few minutes. Uh, you were saying something, you saw, what was it again that you saw last year? La- well, last year, what we saw is um, I wanted to point to the overdose statistics, um, over 100,000 people died from overdoses. And there's a lot of contributing factors, but it is absolutely, you know, uh, it's beyond comprehension. People lost their lives last year. Yeah, yeah. And I know a lot of people, as you were talking about, sitting in the feelings, being isolated, a lot of people found they were really struggling with their mental health over the past couple of years. 
And I think like we need to understand that we are social creatures. We are like my background is biology. So I'll go always throw back to biological terms. We're pack animals. We need other people in our lives and being isolated and not having a community is detrimental to us as humans. Yeah, as the big picture. And we couldn't even get that interaction going to stores because we were staying home out of fear. Or when we did go to stores, we had to stay away from each other. I mean, it definitely was a mental kind of a mental trippy thing going on. Absolutely. Yeah, it was definitely scary. So you said your story is what kind of inspired starting this organization. And you said you started taking drugs at an early age. Has this whole process helped you to figure out what was behind all that? Yeah, it did. Um, Through my own personal journey of recovery, I was able to look back not just at my personal trauma, but my family generational trauma. Um, Things are passed down. And there's some really amazing articles about how it's not just passed down behaviorally, but it's also passed down biologically. And there's some really amazing studies on that subject. But when I look at how I view the world, how I view other people, my responses to, you know, different stimulus. So like, let's say someone's behind driving behind me for too long, or, you know, or I'm in a situation at, you know, at the store and how I interpret, how I interpret the world around me, the people I attract to me, the people that I, you know, the situations I engage with, those are all built from my childhood, from my teenagehood experiences. And so when I talk about trauma and when I talk about um, healing from that, I had to really acknowledge what that effect, how that affected me. Mm-hmm. You know, my substance use when I was much younger, I didn't have that language to, you know, identify why why did I turn to drugs and alcohol? Right. And today I have that language because I've been able to go through a path of recovery and really identify this is what happened and this is my response to it. Mm-hmm. And what did you find out about yourself going through this? So twofold. One thing is anybody, a lot of people have gone through trauma. It definitely not exclusive to my own story. Um, Twofold to that is I did develop a lot of what I call survival skills to um, basically get through life. Mm -hmm. Um, The second, what I found out is how alcohol and drugs affect my brain. Um, Not everybody who goes through trauma is going to turn to alcohol. Not everybody who goes through trauma is going to turn to drugs. I was one of those people that did. Alcohol and drugs affect my brain in a manner that it just fills the receptors and my brain goes, I want more of that. Regardless Mm -hmm. of what the consequences are, it's like I need more of that. And so um, what I did find out is those twofold things. One is how trauma affected me personally. And the other is, you know, I did turn to drugs and alcohol to cope with those things. And when drugs and alcohol were removed from my life, I had to start learning tools. And basically, I I like to say I was rewriting the pathways of my brain to go to other things to cope and deal with. Um, my history and daily stressors. Yeah. What made you decide, hey, I want to make this change. I want to figure this out. This is not the path I want to be on. I am one of those people with a very undramatic story. Um, I did have a lot of, you know, it, there was a lot of chaos and excitement when I was coming off of drugs because I came off of drugs first and I did because I found out I was pregnant and that was, you know, a, a huge intervention into having to halt. Um, I did, you know, I was pregnant. I went through the pregnancy and um, after she was born, I was sober for a period of time and then I turned to alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, I hadn't dealt with the underlying stuff. 
And so alcohol was a solution to a coping mechanism. And with, with the undramatic part, it, it turned into like every day I had to take care of kids. I would at night, I would drink. And in the morning, I would get out, take care of kids. And I was somebody who likes to have a full, full life. Like I think life is amazing and it's full and beautiful. And it became Groundhog Day. Every day was the same thing. And I was trapped. Mm-hmm. And when I tried to put alcohol down, I couldn't. And I'd make promises to myself, like, I'm never going to do this again. And within like a few hours, I had changed my mind. So it was a very undramatic. It was more along the lines of what I call a soul death. Um, and so it, it's not a very wild story, but I think that a lot of people do have that experience. I was going to say, I think a lot of people, especially a lot of women, can hear your story and relate to it and say, I make those promises to myself. Alcohol's maybe what has helped me get through, whether it's trauma or the past couple of years, and I don't have the control anymore over it. Like all of a sudden yeah. now, it's bigger than I am. Absolutely. So what do you tell somebody who's maybe feeling like you were and feeling that trapped feeling in a cycle of whether it's alcohol or drugs, what do you say to them? First of all, I would say, you know, never give up. Like I've seen people fall down a hundred times before they actually go, they, something clicks. And I, I know a lot of people have this expectation, like they'll go into treatment or they'll start a path of whatever their recovery looks like, whether that, you know, they're, you know, want to be better in a relationship or they want to have a healthier life balance. And it takes a while to reestablish or establish new patterns. So, you know, it's not a quick fix. It's hard work. And that's why we chose the chrysalis. It's, you know, butterflies have been associated with femininity, but the reality is like there is an intense process of transformation that is difficult and it takes a lot of work and it takes never giving up. And even if, Hey, you know, I, I did something like I used to today. It's, it's, it's not the end of the world. It's, I have a new day tomorrow. And I can get up and I can try something different. And so what I would say is, A, never give up, never stop reaching for, you know, never stop reaching for help. If the mental health system in Colorado, the substance use system in Colorado is confusing and complex and a lot of people have been let down by it. Mm -hmm. And so it's never, ever stop just reaching for that help. And what do you think makes the Chrysalis Continuing Care different maybe than other things people have tried? I would... So with Chrysalis, we set out with the intention to be extremely compassionate, to be more on the um, positive side. Like what I was talking about, survival skills. Everybody walks through life getting survival skills, not are great. Sometimes, you know, people will lie or manipulate. Um, and it's identifying that this is a person and there's a behavior. And so really being able to l- let the person explore their truth and see if a behavior is working for them, if it's something that they want to shed and they want to um, become somebody else, become the person they want to be, giving space for that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, we are very, um, we've gotten a lot of feedback that the experience our clients have had is like no other place because we are extremely compassionate. We are very individual. Individualized. People are not just a number that just go through a cookie cutter program. Um, so we've gotten a lot of feedback that it is very individualized and compassionate. And how long, if somebody starts coming to the Chrysalis Continuing Care and they're like, all right, I've got this problem. I mean, is there a set number of weeks? Is there a set schedule? How does it work for them to get started? And then I guess, how long does it take? 
It's going to be dependent upon each individual. Everybody comes in uh, with a different need. So some some people, you know, we we see and you know, it always starts with a pre-assessment. So at pre-assessment, the we're going to really look at is Chrysalis even a good option? Some some people are going to need detox. Some people are going to need a higher level of care, like residential. Um, it's really going at the pre-assessment level. We really see are we appropriate fit. Mm-hmm. After that, um, the counselor lays out an individual plan. So as far as how long, you know, it, it really is going to depend on what that individual need is. We have people here from you know three months to over a year, and a lot of times that looks like a step-down process. So with that process, they're still after they've gone through the intensive outpatient program, they're still seeing our doctor and the counselors kind of as a maintenance. Okay, that's what I. Want wondered, is that accountability uh, piece, you know, as they're getting clean, as they're getting sober, that accountability piece and helping them deal with all the emotions that come up and then transitioning back into real life? Yeah, with, I like that point that you just said, because once you remove substances underneath, there is a all the reasons somebody may have turned to substances. Mm-hmm. Just because you remove substances, it's now you're finally at a portion where you can really look at, hey, there's anxiety, there's childhood trauma, there's um, you know, there's a list of things that could come out, um, and that's the opportunity to really look at those factors and. Um, and go through healing around it so that when someone is done with treatment, ideally, they are in a position where that's in more resolved. I think recovery takes a lifetime and having the expectation that, you know, family dynamics and interpersonal dynamics and all that's going to be solved in, you know, 30, 90, 60 days is it's not true. Right, uh, right. Maybe for very rare, rare folks that it, it, recovery does take a lifetime. And so I'm still, you know, I'm, I've been in this in my own personal recovery for a period of time and I still have to work on different things. Sure, sure. Well, I think too, when you make that commitment to continue growing and deal with things as they come up, it's just part of life that, yeah, things are always coming up. Well, and I would love to shift some of this talk in our in our culture about mental health. Like mental health has kind of been looked at as if once everything is going wrong, I'm going to address it. Right. Even people who don't have substance use are still going through their own mental health. And it's just, you know, the simplest equation I could do is, you know, going to the gym. You need to continue to go the gym. So mental health should be as important as physical health. It should be as important as financial health. It should be important as those things because our our mental health affects every other part of our our experience. Absolutely. Yeah, I love that. We'll end on that and let's uh, let people know how they can get in touch with you and how to get more information about the Chrysalis Continuing Care. Sure. Our website is um, www.cctreatment.com and then our phone number is 1-800-910-3896 and they can always email for information at info at cctreatment.com. And CCC once again stands for Chrysalis Continuing Care. Founder, CEO, Christabel Stansberry, thank you so much for your time today. Really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Well, thank you. I'm Melissa Moore. It's Mile High Magazine. For more information, you can always find it at the radio station's website. But thank you for spending your Sunday with us.